Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker, and we are cruising through retirement. You know, just like everything, finance has some general rules of thumb. They're not always true, but a lot of them usually are true. And uh, so on today's show, we're going to talk about some investment and retirement rules of thumb that everybody should know about. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Sudol. Kevin is a fiduciary, an independent, an investment advisor representative. He's an independent as well, helping folks for more than 30 years. Silverleaf Financial is where you find him. Silverleaffinancial.com is the website. Uh, he's an author, The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care, and so much more. Hi, Kevin. What's going on? Oh, it is. Hey, it's another beautiful day in the desert, and you know, glad to be here, Steve. Yeah. You know, that's uh, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, every day is a beautiful day in the desert, isn't it? Um, almost, almost every day. Almost, that's all we, right. Look, that's why you got to love it out here. Three hundred and sixty-three out of three hundred and sixty-five days, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. So we were we were just. I mean, so the market once again this week has uh, it's been a little more up than it was last week. Although you know, um, on Thursday things sort of took a turn uh but 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 again it's it's to be expected isn't it i mean that's just what that's just what the market does it it is and that's what i've been i've been having those conversations a lot more with folks lately because because a lot of times you know i I guess we kind of get lulled to sleep a little bit or we kind of forget you know a lot of a lot of folks you know they they say we have a short-term memory that human beings have a short-term memory and i know the politicians play on that for sure they count on it um, but, but, you know, the last couple of years, we haven't had a lot of bad corrections or we've, I don't think last year in 2021, the market didn't even drop. We didn't even have one period of time where it dropped even 5% if my memory is correct. I think you're right. And, you know, and, and, but the fact of the matter is that typically the market does have, you know, these bad periods of time where it corrects and it go and it works both ways. You know, the market's a double-edged sword. And, and so what I did is I went back, uh, I went back 90 some, gosh, what was it? 94 years to so 1928. Uh, and researching the market activity on a year-by-year basis. So on an average year, 
the market will drop 17%. And a lot of people really just don't realize that because we've, you know, what we've seen the last year, it's easy to forget. We didn't even have a 5% drop. Now all of a sudden we start off this year and we're, and we're getting hit left and right, it seems like. Uh, and I think it's important though to put it in perspective and realize that the market is like a roller coaster ride. And you've got to expect those drops. If you're anything like me when you're a kid, uh, actually all the way up until like probably my 30s, I loved roller coaster rides. I yeah. love those drops, right? I loved it. And um, you know, it's not quite the same though with the stock market, is it? No. Um, you still you, know, you still get a weird feeling in the pit of your stomach, but it's not good. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure, it's definitely not good. And um, and and you know, the thing you need to re remember though is that it's normal. And we we talked about it, I think a week or two ago on one of the shows that how there's a lot of of pre-programmed trading, a lot of computer trading, which we call the algorithms, you know, when the algorithms get a hold of the market, um, because this is what happens a lot of times. And it has nothing to do necessarily with the fundamentals of a stock, let's say that you own, because these are program trades that are, that are, uh, they're put, they program these computers to trigger off of certain levels. And, and they'll look at trends, support levels, things like that for stocks or indexes. And when you've got a whole bunch of these across the world, that are all pre-programmed to trigger a sell, let's say, if the S&P is down, I don't know, let's say 1%, then they all jump on. And what happens is you get this snowball effect where we see these massive moves, these huge swings in the market one way or another. And, and some analysts and some research has estimated that over 80% of the volume on the exchange is due to these algorithmic-based trades. Okay, so it's not, it's not a, you know, somebody, it is a person behind it ultimately, um, but it's not retail investors. It's not Mr. and Mrs. Jones deciding, hey, you know, I think I should sell right now. It's these pre-programmed uh, uh, trades and, and inst institutions that are using those. And I think it's important to realize that because you want to remember it doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong with a company that you own. It's something that is extraneous to it, but it, it does bring it down, of course. Mm -hmm. But you just want to remember that because uh, a lot of times people will let their emotions get in the way. And they'll make a decision because they look at it and say, man, I'm just sick of losing money. Just sell. And, and, I've, and I've gone through this with clients in the past. And, and, and I always want to tell them, you know what? How about if we just take a step back? Let's take a look tomorrow. Maybe we'll get a bounce um, and, and, and readjust. Because I hate making decisions emotionally about stock market or investment ideas. I think it's far, far better to use what I call rules-based strategies, where we have proven rules that have been used by some of the most successful investors time and time and time again. And we backtest it and it shows beautiful returns, all right? We use those rules to make decisions about what to buy or sell. I don't make that decision based on, oh, is the market up or down 500 points today? And, and so I think it's important to keep it in perspective. Also remember that on average, 25 to 30% of the time, the market drops over 20%, okay? At least one in four years, the market's had a drop of over 20%. And this is going back, as I mentioned, 94 years to 1928. That's the data that I, that I analyze. And the research shows, as I mentioned, a normal year, an average year, we get a 17% drop in the market. So the reason I bring this up is that I want everybody to think about it and say, whatever money you have in the market, if it drops 15, 20%, 25%, you're okay with it, that it doesn't influence or impact your day-to-day -day life. It doesn't cause you to cancel a vacation or anything else that you had planned because the money you have in the market is only discretionary. And if you lose some of it, it's okay because we have everything else already taken care of. That's well. That's the beauty of the of you know segmented you know having your money segmented in a retirement plan in a retirement right. and income plan because you got to have that some of that money at risk, right? It's you, you do. I think, in my opinion, it's it's a good idea. Even if you know, I've got clients that are in their mid eighties that still have money in the stock market, 
And it's because we do, it's, it's because of several things. One, um, you know, the market is something that is a good inflation fighting tool. Okay. We've all heard about inflation. We all know it's higher than it's been in decades. Well, I'll tell you what, stock market, the stock market historically has outperformed, uh, has, has, has outperformed inflation by about seven percentage points. So in other words, the inflation adjusted return after everything's all said and done in the, in the, in the overall stock market has been about 7% historically. And right now it's very hard to find a re, uh, anything that has a positive return after inflation when we're talking about inflation at five and 6%, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. can't do it with a fixed interest account. You know, the highest guaranteed interest rate right now is about 3% on a five-year chassis. You know, it's better than banks, right? Banks are at what, like 1% or something. Yeah, less than that sometimes. You know, so th- so think about that. If you've got your money in a bank account, if you're even lucky enough and you're earning 1%, I say lucky, <laughs> you know, tongue in cheek, so, right? Yeah. Uh, you're losing 4 or 5% on that money every year you leave it there because of inflation, right? And so before before I get too far off track, though, I just want to re- remind everybody that the market is volatile and normally the market is volatile, which means it drops, okay? It's great when it goes up. It's always wonderful when we're making money. Uh, and sometimes you feel like maybe puking when it's going down, all right? But if it's something that's causing you to lose sleep at night, to cause you anxiety, then you probably have too much exposure to the stock market. And you should give me a call and we can talk about alternatives. 800-975-6717 is the number you can call, folks. 800-975-6717. You can also find Kevin online at silverleaffinancial.com. You could reach out to him right there directly. And, uh, you know, as we talk about this, so the market, like you said, it, it does what it does. And, and so even if there is a whole lot of red on the market, there are still some gainers out there, aren't there? Yes, there are. There are definitely. <laughs> yes. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> and, and, and that's what we've talked about on the show before, guys, is that, you know, some, we say it's a stock pickers market, which is the kind of market I believe we're in now. In other words, you know, with the indexes, you get the good and the bad. Right. Because mm-hmm. like if you buy the S&P, you've got five, you got the, all the stocks that are in the S&P, you've got all the good ones and you've got all the bad ones too. All right. The nice thing about picking the stocks individually is that you're in control, right? You can determine which sectors you're going into, which areas of the market, big, small, medium-sized companies. And, and that's what I started doing actually uh, for the peer growth portfolio that, that I launched in July, um, not quite two years ago. And, and, and what I did just to step back on that for anybody that hasn't heard this before, um, this is not a portfolio that I'm saying, hey, put all of your money into this portfolio. Not at all. This is a concentrated, high risk, high growth potential portfolio that I started to show in real life, in real terms, that I can that I have a successful way to pick a stock and I can find good entry and exit points to do it, right? Because it's not just when you buy, you've got to know when to sell too, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I tell you what, a whole bunch of people that own, let's say, PayPal or Facebook, I'm sorry, Meta, <laughs> yeah. right? It You could have been sitting on double the gains you have right now if you'd have known to sell it, you know, 100 points ago, right? And so it's, it's, it's important on both sides of the equation. And what I did is I took this portfolio from research and I copied the most successful investors out there like Warren Buffett and Peter Lynch that ran the Fidelity Magellan Fund back in its heyday and Bill O'Neill, uh, the founder of Investors Business Daily. And anybody that's read Investors Daily, we call it IBD, Investors Business Daily. Anybody that re- reads that or subscribes to it, you know the way that they choose stocks They've got a method they call can slim. And it had like the C stands for like current earnings and, and it goes all the way down. But it's, it's a strategy based on uh, rules that they've developed over time that they feel are successful ways you know, to choose a stack. And what I did is I took a strategy that's averaged 25% a year going back to 1990, right? On mm-hmm. paper. Okay. And I said, so I said, you know what? 
I'm going to take this thing live and see if I can duplicate those results. And so that's what I did in July of, of 20. Uh, and last year, we finished the year with a 35% net gain, beating the market by eight or nine percentage points, uh, beating the S&P. The other indexes we beat by even larger amounts. Um, and that's using this strategy, but it is concentrated between five and 10 stocks. And, and it's worked, you know, so far it's working out beautifully. And what I like to do is for anybody that I say wants to add a little horsepower to their account, you know, we can take a conservative account, maybe have 80%, 85% conservative, and just add maybe 15% of the account, use that to pick up these stocks, you know, not with maybe one stock, maybe 15 stocks each represent a 1% holding or something. Sure. Um, that, that's what I'm doing actually for, for some of my clients right now. And, and one that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, January 7th, I believe it was. Yes. I mentioned, I mentioned Zim, Z-I-M. Okay. I hope some folks listened to it and I hope some of you guys bought it because right now you're sitting on about a 22 or 23% profit. Holy cow. And Zim is a shipping company. It is a shipping company. Yes. And those, anybody that's, you know, I think everybody, <laughs> you know, yes. unless you're, you're some place, I don't know, <laughs> on top of a mountain, I guess. Uh, you probably know that you know everything has been messed up due to the COVID and the world shutting down over the last few years. We've had all these delays of getting things from point A to point B. We've heard about all the cargo ships sitting in the water; they can't come in and unload, you know, because because there simply weren't enough workers. A lot of people were out with with COVID, things like that. Yeah. All right. So so I recommended Zim at fifty six dollars. It today hit sixty nine. I believe it closed at sixty eight and change. And and guys, honestly, I've been waiting for a little bit of weakness because I want to add to the position. But I haven't, I haven't had it so far, um, and who knows? It might not happen. But I tell you what, the stock has a very, very, very low price to earnings ratio. The fundamentals look really good to me. It's got a beautiful dividend that is a variable payment. It's not the same every quarter, um, and this is not for everybody. This is not a recommendation. What I'm trying to do is simply show everybody, you know, in black and white, being recorded on the show. Right? We've got yes. a record. Yes, we okay. do. Yep. Go back and yes. look. listen. Go back and take a listen to that to that show. All right, the stock is heading the right direction. I still hold it. I still own it. And like I said, I'd, I'd like to buy more. And if I do get a little weakness, I will add to it. And just for just for kicks, I'll give you guys another one. I just bought British Petroleum today. I bought it at just under thirty two. Okay, um, oil hit ninety bucks a barrel today, and hmm. um, or earlier this week. And and there's a lot of analysts saying it's going to go well over a hundred dollars. So I did step into British Petroleum. It's got about a 4% dividend. Um, it's not as high growth of a company as some of the other ones. And I did that because of this market. You know, this market is pretty volatile, right? Swinging all over the place. Right. So I wanted to get, I wanted to get something a little bit more that's a little bit more established, right? And I think and, and BP, in my opinion, fits that bill. Sure. And, and so, well, we're, we're going to check back with you on that one, too, and see how, how that's going. And so with Zim, uh, you know, you use that methodology of, of determining what might work. And, and it's not about what the company does, right? You don't even care. It's it. Nah, not really. Not yeah. really. No, no. Let, OK, I, let me tell you, that, say it this way. I care to the extent that I want the sector to be in favor, generally speaking. Yes. OK, okay. sure. Sure. You know, so I don't want it to be completely out of favor. So I, ch I tend to buy. Um, you know, like industry industries, there's over 200 industries that make up the various sectors. What do we have? 11 sectors. And uh, so I try to go, I try to focus on the, the, the industry that's, that's in favor. And, um, and so these, these are, but I don't, but a lot of times I'll tell you what the, what Steve's getting at is with my filters, when I run the, when I run the filters on my computer, you know, they're pre-established filters um, that we're using to find companies. And what we do is it basically filters every stock that's trading on the exchanges. 
And then when you run it through the filters, it spits out the names, you know, and it tells you, okay, these five stocks, they, they match all the criteria. And, and so I'm not looking necessarily at exactly what they do, all right, what they build or what they sell. What I'm looking at is, does it meet the rules? And, and these, can, these are based on, these are fundamental rules based on revenue growth, sales growth, earnings growth. It could be about insider activity. Uh, and we also incorporate technical features. We look at technicals as well. Uh, anybody that's bought stocks in the market, um, you may you might look at the charts, look at the graphs. Uh, you try to use those to find support and resistance levels. I use them to try to find good entry points and good exit points. Um, and and this is an example. Zim was chosen from this research, from this system, and uh, and this is what we've got over a twenty percent gain in less than a month. I mean that. I mean overall, that sounds pretty good for uh, pure growth. Yes, it is. It is good for pure growth and. Uh, you know, so the portfolio, we're, we're still, we're beating the market by several percentage points again. Um, unfortunately, we are down just under 3% right now, um, you know, and, and part of the reason we're not down more is because of stocks like Zim, um, you know, and, and the thing to remember is that when, when managers, portfolio managers are looking to beat the markets, you know, it doesn't mean we won't have down periods. It doesn't mean we won't have losing quarters or losing days, losing months. All right. Be, what it means is, if the market's down 10% and we're only down three, okay, that's, that's a significant outperformance, but it is still a loss, right? And, and so, but I, I want everybody to remember that and realize, because I tell a lot of folks that even a conservative portfolio could still lose money in a terrible tape, you know, in a terrible market. We used to go, I say tape because, you know, we used back in the days, we, back in the day we had the ticker tape, right? Yeah, the ticker and, tape. Exactly. Yeah, just just yeah, like so, I was in the newsroom with a, with a uh, newswire. That's right. Exactly. You know, and, and so some of those things still stick in your brain, even though they might not be reality uh, for, for somebody, somebody, if they're, if you're 25, you probably don't have a clue about that. Um, but, but nonetheless, it's, we're, we're, it's a lousy tape, you know, yesterday, Thursday saw the market down what 500 points and, you know, and the nice thing is that the stocks that you have, we look at relative outperformance, which means doing better than the overall index. And so if I can find a stock that's up on a down day when the NASDAQ is down two and a half, three percent, if I can find something that's up on that day, that is exhibiting very strong relative outperformance. And that's the type of thing that I look for. All right. Those are one of the things that I look for. Um, and, and, but I think, I think if you guys look at it, take a look at it. Rules-based investing is a strategy. You remove the emotion, you know, it, it, and, and I, that's, that in my opinion is what causes most investors to make the wrong decision at the wrong time. It's, it's fear. Like now we'll have a situation where people just get, they just get, they become very afraid, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want to lose any more money. And I get that. I totally get it. Um, but I think if you're, if you're losing sleep, if you're uncomfortable, you probably should should reduce your exposure or reduce your risk somehow so that you don't have to keep enduring that pain. All right. That makes sense as well. And uh, folks, if you want to get in, 800-975-6717. And so, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about the market. You, you hit this one stock and, and uh, you know, with Zim, which is sort of interesting because I, I, I like the fact that, you know, you so you've set up this program. That, that you feed information in and it it deduces and comes up with all the stuff that you just were talking about. That's right. That's right. It's it's not, you know, I'm, I'm using the computer. I'm copying people that have been very, very successful. Some of the best investors of all time. I'm using research um, going back decades and, and I, I'm, I'm doing the same thing they're doing. I'm not claiming to have created it. Uh, I copied it, you know, yeah, but, well, but I'm, hey, I'm, why not do what's, <laughs> I mean, learn from others' mistakes. 
That's right. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? And 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 I think I think you could do a lot worse than copying guys like Warren Buffett. Oh and, yeah. And right? I mean, he he made his money in the stock market. And so uh, it doesn't mean that we're going to be right every time. So far, my win rate is about 65%. So I'm wrong about one time in three. Um, and, and uh, you know, we can't get them all right. But the key to it, though, in my view, is that when you are wrong, you got to recognize it quickly and, and, and pull the plug and get out. All right. Because what I'm looking for is a good entry point where I don't even see I'm trying. Okay, my goal is to not even see a 10% drawdown after I buy it. I don't even want to see a 5% drawdown, if I'm being honest. But but you can't obviously you can't control these things. But if you can control your losses and you don't let them get too big, then you let your winners run. And that's how I've been managing the portfolio. I've been trying to limit the losses when I'm wrong. I try to get out before I'm even down 10%. But with the winners, I'm letting them run. Uh, I've seen a lot of them up 30, 40, 50%. And that's how we that's how we beat the market last year. So let's talk about Zim for a second again in, in that so, yes, it's up. You said pretty well today, uh, which is Thursday, where we're going to record this. And um, so at what point do you decide to sell if, if it starts to drop? Is that when you do it or do you it, just you just hang on to it until, you know, whatever? Well, I tell you what, the initial thing that I do is I run I, I run my screens again and, and it's still it's still coming up as a strong buy. It's at, at, even though it's, you know, right here, right now, today. It's still coming up. I screened it again today, you know, because yeah. the one thing that I do to determine a sell, one thing I do is I run my filters. And if it's not still a strong buy, then I'm looking for it to, when it loses momentum, then I'm probably going to pull the plug if it's not a strong buy. If it's still a strong buy like this one is, then what I'm going to do is I'm looking to probably add to the position. If I get some weakness, I'm going to add to it. And I'd, I'd like to see it down 2 or $3 actually, and, and I'll add to it. If, if the filters were ran and it came up and it said hold, then I wouldn't do that. I would just pull the plug. As soon as it lo- loses momentum, I would just sell it. Okay. But as long as it, it but the way that I, the way that I run it is as long as it keeps going through my filters, I run my stock screens and it still says strong buy, then, then I'm going to stick with it. But th- I mean, there's other factors too, right? I'm also looking at valuation. This has an extremely low valuation. And, and I mean, the stock could go up like seven or eight fold and it would still be at a lower valuation than the, than the S and P 500. So so I feel comfortable adding to it on weakness, and and the minute that uh, the minute that it doesn't make those filters though, that's when it, that's when I'll be you know have my hand on the trigger to sell it if it does show weakness. So of with the again with the pure growth stocks that you have, you said it's anywhere between five and ten. And so, are yes. there any stocks that you still own when you started? Oh um, no, no. Okay, <laughs> no. all right. So I think that's interesting. No, that's a that that would be a flat no. Um, and, and guys, it, it doesn't mean, you know, I, I, I'm sure there are some that I sold and went higher, um, you, you know, but, but the, the strategy, the strategy is really geared around holds of two, three, four months. Um, but I, I do have some that have held longer. Matson M-A-T-X is one that I have. I've, I'm sitting on a 40% plus gain on that one, but it's still, my filters still say buy, And, and I've had that one for um, I want to say about four months, maybe five months. Okay, so that's um, a good long while for for a stock in that in that particular uh, fund. It, it it is in this in this strategy. It is, and and one thing about it, you know, the the, the folks that I'm using, the, the the clients of mine that have this strategy, uh, and what I do myself, I do it in my Roth in my Roth IRA. Okay, um, so that you don't have you don't have to worry about short term trading because it's a tax free account, and it works in a regular IRA as well. But it doesn't work really well. You know, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily for a cash account, you know, a regular non-qualified account, because because of the short-term gains are going to be taxed like income. You don't get the benefit of long-term capital gains if it's held less than a year. 
So, so there, there, there's a lot of things to consider when we, when we choose our investments. It's not just the investment itself, but it's what type of account we're putting them in, right? Right. And, and so there's a lot of things to look at. And, and so this type of account, we want to have it in some sort of tax-deferred or ideally tax-free account, um, you know, because, because the, of the shorter-term nature. Um, now, now, but if I'm an index buyer, if I'm an index buyer, like if you like to buy the S&P 500 or something, I certainly wouldn't be, tra- I wouldn't be trading that. You know, I, I would just, what you want to do with the indexes, in my view, is buy on the dips. And what I like to do, I've mentioned it before, if the market drops 5% from where I, where I own it, I'm going to buy some. If it drops another, if so it drops 10%, I'm going to add to it. If it drops 15, I'm adding to it. It drops 20 and so on. I'm going to keep on adding to the index. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're an index, if you're an index buyer, all right. Uh, it's not necessarily the same with an individual stack, but for instance, if you own funds that you own, you know, long-term, you know, growth funds, things like that, and your retirement accounts, those are things that I like to add to on weakness. Sure. Well, and again, so with it, with an index, uh, you know, a lot of folks believe that the index is, is really the only way to go. And you're proving that wrong. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, you, you know what? It, it, uh, that's correct. So far, so far, so good, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah, we, are be- sure. we, are, we are beating the indexes. The thing is, the thing is, this is an aggressive account. Okay. Mm-hmm. And just like, and just like it made really good gains, it could lose money. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say it can't lose money. And, and so I, I still would not say for anybody, it's not something you put hundred percent of your money in. Although I have had people tell me they believe in concentration versus diversification. Um, and, it, and it's because they look at people like Bezos that got, that made, made billions on Amazon. They look at guys like Elon Musk that have made billions on Tesla. And so they come to the conclusion that concentration is a better way. All right. And, and there are definitely those stories out there, guys, but you got to remember you can lose it all too. And, and so um, if you happen to be a billionaire, then by all means, go for it. But for, <laughs> if you happen to be, yeah, because yeah, there's, there's yeah. so many of us out here, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but, but for the rest of us mere mortals, okay, yeah. we, we need to be very careful and I want to manage the risk. So, um, you know, so guys, I, I'm definitely happy to, to talk to anybody about it. Uh, I'm, I'm very proud of how the performance has gone so far, and I'm certainly looking for it to continue. But it is a tough market. We're in a much more difficult market than we were a year ago. And that's even with COVID and all that craziness, all right? Because now we've got a Fed that's raising interest rates. We've got a Fed that's pulling back from their bond buying. They're calling it the taper, which means instead of buying $120 billion a month of bonds, now they're just buying $80 billion a month, okay? <laughs> so this, right? they're still supporting it artificially, which right. is what's keeping interest rates so low. All right. But they're pulling that punch bowl away from the party. OK. And these are the things that that have made a lot of investors say, you know what, where else am I going to put my money? As long as the Fed's got my back, you know, I'll put it in the stock market. But what's causing a lot of this havoc, a lot of this day to day volatility and these swings, it's not just earnings misses like from, you know, from PayPal and Facebook that we just saw this week. Yes. Uh, which both got crushed, by the way. Um, it is it is that the stimulus that has been provided by the central bank here in the U.S., is getting reduced, and it's and 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 so once they you know uh, they stop the bond buying program, then they're going to start to raise interest rates, and then later on in the year, then they have to start to wind. They're calling it the winding down the balance sheet of the Fed, and what that means is they're going to start to sell those bonds that they've been buying for the last few years. So all of these things have started to happen. That's what's causing this havoc in the market and these ups and downs, these crazy swings. Right. And so with, with Powell saying, OK, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise interest rates, in your opinion, what, what, happens when that, what happens when that happens? 
You, you know, truthfully, I don't. I, I tell you what, as as more time goes by, and granted, it hasn't been that long. It's only been what what a th- few weeks since since we've we've felt this or learned this a month maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, the the market is actually the bond market has already adjusted in a lot of ways. If you look at the two year Treasury, it's up it, it's up you know proportionally it's up very significantly. And in other words, in real terms, it's up maybe three quarters of a percentage point. Mm-hmm. But it was only but it was only at like point two or something. So okay, so that's significant. It, it's a significant move that that's already taken place in the bond market, and it's based on everybody's judgment about what the Fed is going to do. And and so a lot of times the market moves in anticipation. And some people will say the bond, you know, the markets are doing the Fed's work for them, and that's what they're that's what they mean. Uh, and and so it becomes a question, you know, about when the Fed raises interest rates. First of all. They're expected to raise rates, I believe, three or four times. I don't personally subscribe to the six or seven interest rate hikes. For instance, Bank of America came out this week. They, they're forecasting seven rate hikes. Oh, come on. That's, that, that doesn't even seem possible. It, you know, it well, doesn't seem possible. I suppose it is, but uh, yeah. it, I guess anything's possible, right? Sure, but, yeah. But but really, how what, what exactly what tea leaves is she reading? Okay, that's, <laughs> well, that's she, true. That's, that she can say, you know what, I can see out so much farther than you guys. They're not going to be just three or four hikes. They'll be seven, and you know, and and uh, so I don't know. I'm I'm very skeptical of that. I, I take issue with people that make these long range forecasts because, in my opinion, you, it's impossible to do. There are so many different you know uh, competing factors that enter into the stock market. You know, you've got you've got currency market issues, which there's massive amounts of money in. Bond market is far bigger than the stock market, and all of it moves the stock market. And sometimes I say, well, you know, which is the dog and which is the tail. And, and you know, it's, so it's hard to determine. Plus, you've got factors around the world. You know, if Putin decides he's going to invade Ukraine, you know, that's probably going to cause some big volatility, big swings in the market. Um, you know, and 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 things are seem to be developing more and more there every day. So we've got geopolitical risks. You got you know China talking about. I I personally think something's going to happen with either Taiwan and Hong Kong or both with China in the next in the next. But I think that's years away. I think China moves at a lot slower pace yep. uh, than other countries. And, and so the point is, there's a lot of competing risk factors out there, and the economy can change on a day-to-day basis. You know, this week we've got a big jobs report coming out that'll probably move the market tomorrow. We've got earnings coming out from a lot of companies. You know, this week we had Facebook and PayPal, which were negative. We had Google, I, I'm sorry, Alphabet, which was had a fantastic earnings report. Um, and which, by the way, I would like I own Google, and I would like to add to that on weakness as well, for the record. Um, and and so. In the very, very short term, the market's going to be swinged by these earnings announcements and by the day-to-day headlines. We call it headline risk, right? Yeah, and, sure. and And so that's what's swinging the market around. But what I've said before, I think what you should be doing, if you're a do-it-yourself investor, you should be making up your list like it's a Christmas list. Figure out the sectors that you want to own first, okay? And then pick the, figure out the stocks within those sectors. Uh, I like to start with a sector first. I think that's a better way to do it. Um, that's obviously my opinion. But that's what I would suggest, you know, and and I think that by doing that, you can find some stocks and you can buy something cheap. You know, like if you if you like Apple, for instance, you know, try to buy it at, at a lower price or whatever it might be. But make sure you don't own just one or two sectors. OK, that's how people get hurt. They load up on a bunch of tech stocks and they think they're diversified. And then the tech sector gets hurt and they get crushed. So make sure you've got diverse proper diversification 
uh, not not too much concentration in one in one or two sectors. Sure. And uh, before we wrap it up, I mean, you you said uh, what somebody from what Bank of America is that what you said or so anyway. Who said, yes, well, you I, know, hey, the, the interest rates could be raised seven times. But that's exactly the kind of thing the media pounces on and, and puts it out there for all of this gloom and doom and fear. It, no question about it. No question. And, and, and you know, the well, for instance, talking about Meta, you know, a.k.a. Facebook. Yeah, sure. You know, that's the woman that the woman that used to work there. I don't know if anybody watched those those uh, the testimonies when she went. She went. She was in Washington. I remember in, in, in front of the committees. And this is where I got it from. I got it from this former employee that's a whistleblower against Facebook or Meta. And 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 what she said is that the algorithms that Facebook employs will amplify, amplify the most radical messages. Okay. So the craziest stuff that comes up, the craziest news reports, that's what gets amplified from their algorithms because their research at Facebook, and this is documented. Their research shows those are the stories that get shared the most, right? Well, and of so course. You ask, it's all right? about so the clicks. Your, it's all about the clicks. And so you ask yourself, how can I, how, what, what, where, where did all these crazy conspiracy theories come from, right? How did they get, you know, where did this, how did this happen? It's because of places like Facebook, in my opinion, that have amplified those stories and whether they're true or completely false, which I believe most of them are. All right, they still get they still get shared and people start to believe it. Oh because, my gosh, yes. You know, they believe it. And and that I believe that I believe that contributed to that whole insurrection on January 6th. Oh, I I, when, I don't doubt it know? at all. And and you know, when I mean digital has has the potential to destroy, you know, civilization as we know it. Oh no, quite. You, you know what I find so ironic is that one of the things that I think has made this country so great being its freedoms and freedom of speech mm-hmm. seems to be the thing that is also also very you know causing a very very divided country. Oh yeah. This this free speech that doesn't have to be based in truth or reality at all. Right. Yeah. You know, and 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 I think there's a lot of people that are doing a serious disservice. I think there's a lot of people that are for instance anti-vax. I mean, how many thousands of people have they killed because of convincing them they shouldn't take a vaccine? And, and so anyway, getting up, getting off the track of business. Um, but, but the fact is the, the algorithms do amplify the message, whether it's true or not true. And, and I think everybody should be aware that whatever you hear, whatever you read anywhere, you need to double check it and triple check it because there's, a, there's just more nonsense, more lies being told now than, than ever, I believe, and I recall in history. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, again, on that note, what, uh, how, do we, how do we leave the week, uh, Kevin? What, I mean, uh, what's, what's on your mind? You know, you know what I would say that that you want to take a step back and look at your portfolio, see how you feel. I've talked to a few people this week that they saw some big losses in their portfolio, and 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 I can tell it's causing them anxiety. And 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 if that's the case with you, then you should really give me a call. Let's sit down and see how we could reduce your risk and reduce the chance, you know, that you lose more money. Because guys, there are some there are investments out there that are guaranteed that you can't lose a dime that have made seven and eight percent a year for the last decade. And I've, I'd be happy to explain them and go into it with you, but you don't have to take the risk of the market. If you'd be happy with five, six, seven, eight percent returns, you can do it without taking a risk of a loss. You should give that some thought. Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. 
There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, host, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions.